My name is Tim Harris. I'm pastor here at Woodburn Baptist Church, and I'm delighted, delighted to welcome you to worship this morning. Ephesians chapter 6, let's talk about spiritual warfare. I, I will be the first to admit I am not much of a warrior. I'm really not much of a fighter. I know it's hard, you know, looking at me, you're thinking, man, I don't want a piece of him, but, but seriously, I'm not that tough. In school, there was a time or two I tried to be tough. It never really worked out for me. Um, one day, though, it was on the playground. The only actual time I ever, like, threw punches. Kids don't follow this example. But uh, so the only time I actually ever, like, you know, made a fist and hit somebody, uh, it was for love. You know how that is. You know, I'm not really a fighter. I'm a lover. But, you know, in fourth grade, you know, uh, so I dated this, dated, <laughs> fourth grade. <laughs> I had gone with the same girl since first grade. Her name was Laura. So I dated, <laughs> dated that's so funny, y'all. Uh, whatever, what do you call it? I went with, whatever, she's out there. Laura, you know, we went together first through fourth grade. So we've been together a long time, and I was starting to see a future with her. You know, like first through fourth grade. But then this new kid moved in. His name was Richard, and Richard was really cool. Richard had, like, those blue suede shoes, like Starsky wore. And I could see my chances were, you know, were really going down. But it, we're in this weird moment where I could feel, I could feel myself losing her. You know how that is? I could, I could feel myself losing her. But for this, for this moment, I was still in. I was still her boyfriend. So I was sort of standing my ground with Laura. So it's just really awkward down the playground when, like, Richard and Laura and me are hanging out. Y'all know that awkward? Because it's like, I'm still the boyfriend, but, it, but it's starting to feel less and less like I'm not, you know, like I'm, like I'm really not in more like I'm just sort of hanging around, but, you know, I was determined to, to, to keep my place. So anyway, we're walking across the playground, fourth grade in Rich Pond School, and Laura says, I'd like to seesaw. Okay, I'm thinking, all right, seesaw, that is a thing for two people, and there are three of us, so I've got to be the man on the seesaw with her, but the thing was, I looked at the seesaws, and they're all taken, and all, all the seesaws are taken. So, I mean, I didn't even think about this. It just came out of me. I walked over, like I puffed up my chest. Went over to the seesaw, picked out the first guy sitting there. I said, hey, get up. And I had never, ever done anything like that. But it felt good. Get up. He said, no. I said, the lady wants to teeter-totter. Get up. And he didn't move. And then, like, it just, God just came. I don't know what came over me. But I flew into violent rage. I just started punching. Bah, 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 bah. I was just punching him, just punching him, just punching him. He didn't even have a chance to do nothing but get hit, you know? Just punching him. Bah, 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 bah. And it really didn't feel good. But I'm also thinking, man, this poor guy, he doesn't deserve this. But I'm also really hoping Laura's seeing every bit of this. Bah, 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 bah. I'm just hitting him like macho camacho, y'all. Just bah, 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 bah. hitting, 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 hitting. And all of a sudden, I just stopped, you know, because I'm thinking, you know, poor guy, you know, call 911. You know, I've killed him. But when, when I stopped, I had my eyes closed. Because, you know, when you're really being tough, you close your eyes. So I opened my eyes back up. And, y'all, when I opened my eyes, he's still there. And he's not, like, he doesn't even look like he's been in a fight. Like, I pounded him. Like, he was on the ugly side of all of my fury. And when I opened my eyes, he's just looking at me like, like, what is your problem? I mean, he was just sitting there looking. I mean, I didn't knock him off the seesaw, and I could tell he still wasn't planning on going anywhere. I mean, it was just sort of one of those moments when I turned around. Guess what, y'all? True story. When I turned around, guess what I see? Laura and Richard walking off together. Yeah, right out of my life. It's a good thing, baby. Yeah, I got a good, a good wife right here. She don't know. She's missing all this, does she? She don't know. 
She don't know what she walked away from in fourth grade, man. Um, so I'm not a fighter, y'all. That was like it. And, and you just, you know, just know you are safe from, from, from me. Uh, that guy didn't even move. Man, I was punching hard, too. Y'all don't understand it. Uh, so at 53 years old, I don't have any battle scars uh, at all. Uh, no wounds, uh, n- nothing like that. Some of you guys have been shot and stabbed, and I admire you. One of our guys has been like shot in the rear end, and I think that is so awesome. Don't show me, but it is so awesome. It's just so cool. Uh, I have nothing. There's a preacher who has said that there's only one man made thing in heaven. What is it? One man made thing in heaven, and it is what? The scars of Jesus. For all eternity, he bears the scars of his fight to save us. You understand that? The only man-made thing in all of heaven are the scars of Jesus. He is wounded because of his fight. And if you're going to follow him, you're going to have to fight too every day of your life. Ephesians chapter 6 is where we'll go. Let's start in verse, start in verse 10. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. This is so good. You got my slides up there? You got slides for me? All right, good deal. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. A final word. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. We're talking about you. You understand that? We're talking about you, not like Catholic priests in movies. You are fighting evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, mighty powers in this dark world, and evil spirits in the heavenly places you are fighting. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the breastplate of God's righteousness for shoes Put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the spirit, which is what? The word of God. That's your sword. Verse 18. Pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. And pray for me too. Ask God to give me the right words so I can boldly explain God's mysterious plan that the good news is for Jews and Gentiles alike. I'm in chains now, still preaching this message as God's ambassador. So pray that I will keep on speaking boldly for him as I should. Isn't that amazing? Paul is in chains, but what does he say to pray for me? What's he want people to pray for, for him? I'm in chains, I'm in jail, but I want you to pray that I will have what? Boldness. This is a man who knows what his priorities are, right? Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Verse 10. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of who? The devil. The the, the devil. Be strong in the Lord so that you can stand against all of the strategies of the devil. I, I hear stories all the time from people. 
And, and I also hear people who very typically say, you know, Pastor Tim, I'm, I'm mad at God. I'm bitter at God. The reason I don't come to church, I'm mad at God. And, and then inevitably they tell stories like the woman who said that, you know, she had um, broken up with her boyfriend and then she, she came up pregnant and after that she was a single mom and then she says, I don't understand why God made that happen. Things like that are always interesting to me. Teenage kid who was driving to school and texting, driving and texting, and also opening up a Pop-Tart. He ran his car into the back of a vehicle that was sitting still. After that, his parents took away his phone. What? They took away his phone and made him start paying for his own insurance. And that teenage boy said, what? Why is God doing this to me? I don't think God was opening Pop-Tarts and texting. and, and, And I don't think God, you know, told you to text, but... But isn't it interesting how whenever bad things happen, whenever anything happens in our lives, if we don't like it, who's responsible? God, mad at God. Yeah. I mean, some of you in this house right now, some of you in the cafe, in the sound of my voice, you mad at God for some horrible tragedy. You know, anytime there's a tragedy in the world, people say, where is God? And, and I get that. I really do understand the frustration, but what I don't understand is why people really never seem to understand who the enemy is. You have an enemy. The devil is your enemy. It's clear in all of Scripture. It is the devil who is called the thief who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's the devil. So whenever in your life you experience any kind of stealing, anything taken from you, any kind of killing, any kind of destruction, that's the devil's work. He is your enemy. God is for you, the Scripture says. And if God is for you... Who can be against you? God is for you. See, one of your problems when it comes to fighting life's battles is you haven't yet figured out who's on your side and who's not on your side. You're listening to the wrong voice. The devil's whispering in your ear every single day, all day long, and you listen to what he says, and you believe what he says. And he's the one who tells you that God is your enemy. He's the one who tells you to get angry at God, blame God. He's the one that tells you that God is trying to take good things away from you. God is the one who's trying to kill all your fun. This is the devil. He he lies to you and you eat it up. The the devil is your enemy. He he is your enemy and you are fighting a, a fight. It's a fight. Now, some of us have a lot of fight in this, and you're fighting all the time. I mean, some of you are. You're all scarred up, scratched up, coming into church with black eyes from Friday night or whatever. I mean, my goodness. You spend your whole life fighting people. It's like me that day with that poor kid on the seesaw just going at him, you know. He's not my enemy. He didn't deserve that. I hope he's okay. You understand? I mean, he's not my enemy. And you have no flesh and blood enemy. You don't. Your enemy is not your ex-wife. Your enemy is not the bully at school. Your enemy is not flesh and blood. Scripture makes it perfectly clear. Verse 12, we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. Your fight is not with people. There are some ornery people in this world, but they're not your enemy. They're not your enemy. Your enemy is the devil, always the devil, and this fight with the devil never ends. It never, ever ends. So understand, this is a spiritual battle. Help me, Austin. This is a spiritual battle, which means you need spiritual resources for success. This is not a flesh and blood battle that you're fighting. It's a spiritual battle, and you are fighting it. Or at least you're engaged. At least you're being attacked. Honestly, we'll get to it. Some of your problem is you're not fighting. 
You give up, you surrender, you don't engage the fight. But understand, there's no neutral territory here. You just can not sit back and say, I'm just not going to take sides. No, the devil has a target on you. And if you don't fight, he's going to have you for lunch. He already is. In many of your circumstances, I mean, he's winning. It's a spiritual struggle, and you need spiritual resources for success. I know some of you don't believe me. Think about your top five problems right now. Five problems. Write them down if you want to. They're probably right there in your mind. It's what you're thinking about while I'm preaching. Your your top five problems, think through. Let's say your your number one problem is your marriage. Let's say it's your marriage. Let's say your number two problem is your relationship with your parents, your elderly parents. Let's, Let's say it's your parents. And Let's say your number three problem is finances. You're having some money trouble. Got some debt issues and some money problems. Let's just kind of go through you know, your, your typical problems. Let's say you have top five problems. When are you not going to understand that all of your problems are spiritual? Your marriage problems, that's a spiritual problem. And the reason why you and your husband, you and your wife, you never ever get things right is because you don't understand that, that your marriage problems are spiritual problems. And nothing's ever going to go well for you two people until you both learn how to love like Christ. You understand? The problem is you don't know how to love like Christ. You don't know how to forgive like Christ. You don't know how to be patient and gentle. You don't know how to relate like Jesus relates. So it's a spiritual issue. The problem is not, you know, that she's just put on 15 pounds and, and, you know, no, no, no. The problem is spiritual. Your money problems. Don't you understand where your treasure is there? Your heart will be also. The reason why you have money issues is because you've got priority issues. You have given your heart to the wrong things. If you begin to let God order your life, order your priorities, when you begin to understand that everything you have comes from and belongs to him, and you become a good steward of everything he gives you, you won't have any more money problems. All of your problems are spiritual problems. Everything we can talk about, it it all gets wrapped up in this fight that Ephesians chapter 6 describes for you. It's a spiritual battle. Therefore, you need spiritual resources for success. Spiritual resources. Now, Paul goes through in this chapter and talks about the armor of God, the the resources that you need. What do you notice about these things? I mean, what do you notice? They're sort of everyday things. We'll walk through them in a second. Truth, righteousness, the gospel, faith, salvation, the word of God, prayer, holy water, a string of garlic around your neck, a crucifix. Yeah. No, no, honestly, pay attention to that. When we talk about spiritual warfare, that's where some of you go. You start picturing like one of those movies with a priest, you know, and, and he's got a crucifix. He's going after the devil, and it's lightning. And he's like, you know, saying the Lord's Prayer with, with, with the wind blowing, you know, and, and he's got garlic around his neck and splashing holy water, you know, and, and they're, ah, ah, ah. You know, that's what you picture, and you think, that's not what my life looks like. That's not my life. I'm not meeting the devil at work. I'm not, I'm not casting out demons, you know, in my spare time. I'm not Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Exactly. That's not what it looks like. That's not what spiritual warfare looks like. Do you understand this? 
I mean, if the devil came at you like that, if he really did wear a red suit with horns and a pitchfork and a pointed tail, man, you'd spot him every time and you'd throw holy water on him and, you know, you'd be done. He doesn't come at you like that. He comes at you in ways in a disguise that you'll never even know it's him. He comes at you in such a way where you don't even recognize that he's your enemy. Basically, what he does is sort of sidle up next to you and whisper in your ear. He just whispers. He makes suggestions to you. The thing is, what he suggests is pretty much what you already wanted to do anyway. I mean, you know, he just makes suggestions. He just suggests things to you. And you listen because you don't recognize he's your enemy, because you don't recognize his strategies. Paul says we're not ignorant of his strategies, but some of us really are. No idea how the devil attacks us. You don't even know it's the devil, so therefore you don't fight. Do you understand? It's not in the darkness with lightning and, you know, in, in flashes of fire and holy water. It's not that at all. It's in all of those moments in your day when you struggle with all of your hurts and your hang-ups and your habits. It's all those moments in every single day when you got a choice between right and wrong and, and there's a voice that tells you uh, the, to, to choose the wrong way and you just sort of have to make a decision. It's in those moments when the battle is fought. A lot of you guys, it's in those moments when nobody's at home or everybody else is in bed and you open up your iPad and you make some decisions about what you look at. There's a battle right there. The problem is you've never recognized that that's a battle. The devil's like a magician. Yeah, yeah, there's no magic, right? The magicians are always illusionists, and they always are very dramatic. You know, they don't just pull a rabbit out of a hat. You know, they do, you know, all this stuff. And here's the thing. They're making you watch this hand here, right? Yeah, so they get you watching this hand. So they're doing all this. Meanwhile, you know, they're pulling the rabbit out of the you know, back pocket, but you don't see that. And it's like, you know, whew. You know, they distract you on this side, and you never even realize what they're doing on this side. And that's exactly how the devil works in your life. He distracts you with this hand so that you never realize how he is destroying you with this hand. He's a liar and the father of lies, the scripture says. And he comes against you every single day. So, so basically, help me out. Three fundamental facts of spiritual warfare. Number one. The fight never ends. Never ends. You think, you know, tomorrow's my day off. I'm just going to make a deal with the devil and he'll take a day off too. Just going to call it truce. No, no, it never ends. Number two, your enemy never rests. He never rests. He never rests. He's very patient. He's not smart and he's not powerful. He's not powerful. I mean, don't be deceived. That's one of his lies that he's, that he's to be feared. He's, you know, scripture says, greater is he that is in me than he's in the world. I mean, the devil has no real power over you at all. All he can do is lie, and all he can do is just sort of watch you, and that's what he does. He'll spend a long time watching you just to figure out where you're weak. Again, he's not like God. He can't be everywhere at once. He can't read your thoughts. I mean, he's not powerful like that, but he's just, you know, got time. He watches you. He begins to understand where you're weak, what makes you tick. He begins to understand where you're weak, where you're very suggestible, where you're vulnerable. He'll just hit you there. He doesn't waste time tempting you with things that you're not tempted to do. That's crazy. There are so many sins, y'all, that I'm not even, I'm not tempted to gamble. You crazy? My wife wouldn't let me have money. I mean, I'm not gambling. 
I'm not tempted to smoke. When you smoke, I'm dying. You know, I mean, I just, the, the smoke just, just makes my nose run, my head hurt. I mean, you know, that's not tempting to me. I mean, it's just not. I'm not really strongly tempted to drink. I don't understand the temptation to drink alcohol at all. I'm not tempted in that in, in any way, you know. So the devil's not tempting me with those things, but the devil will study me and find out exactly where it is that I could be made to stumble and fall, and then he'll lay that obstacle in my path. You understand? He's, he never rests. He never rests. And if right now, if you feel like he says, I don't think he's bothering me. Oh, you, you, he's just gearing up for the big takedown. You don't understand. The fight never ends. Your enemy never rests. But you will have victory. This is the other thing. I mean, this is Paul. Ephesians chapter 6. This is a declaration of triumph here. You're going to stand your ground. You're going to stand your ground. That's what it says. You are going to stand your ground. How are you going to stand your ground? Because God's going to make you able to stand your ground. You're going to win here. You will have victory. You will have victory unless you give it all away. Unless you give it all away. Victory is yours in Christ, but you may not have victory. It's there for you, but you give it away. Let's jump in. When it comes to the armor of God, help me out, uh, Austin. The only real, the, the only real effective means of battle here is just to live a life of faithfulness and prayer. I mean, this is the bottom line here. As we go through the armor of God, understand these are all things that Christ has already given us. And, and in some ways, they're sort of ordinary things. Ordinary, not at all. I mean, these are supernatural things, but, but these aren't magical things. These are the things that Christ gives. These are just the elements of a victorious spiritual life. Let's break them down. Let's look at the scripture. Let's start in verse 14. Stand your ground, putting on first what? The belt of truth. The belt of truth. Now, Paul is using imagery of a soldier suiting up for battle, suiting up for battle, and the first thing he would put on would be his belt. Why is that? What's the belt do? Well, you know, back in those days, everybody wore dresses. Everybody wore big robes. And if you're going to fight, you know, you can't fight in a robe. You know, nobody's ever come out. You know, that's why, like, your grandma in her house coat is not a frightening sight, you know, because somebody in all that dress isn't frightening. So the, the soldiers, the first thing they would have to do is reach down and, and, and gird their loins. You heard that phrase? It's a biblical phrase. They gird their loins. Uh, loins are all of this extra fabric around your feet that you can't fight, you can't run, you can't ha, kick, you know, if you're wearing all this. So, so they would pull up, you know, their, their robe and then belt around it. So that way all of that is now pulled up. And, and they're like sumo wrestlers now, you know. But that belt that senses it all there and holds it in place is the belt of what? Truth. So the first thing you pick up is truth. Why is that? Because your enemy is a liar. He is a liar and the father of lies. This is what Scripture says. He has no power over you. He has no power. He can't come in and possess you. He can't take anything, but he can convince you to give it up. That that's the point. He doesn't possess anybody that doesn't just stand back and invite him in. He can't take anything away from you like that. He is not that powerful. His only power is to lie, but oh, the deliciousness of a good lie. He lies to you. He lies. 
Sin always is based on a lie. The sin that draws you in, it never delivers what it promises. Your promised pleasure, what you get is humiliation. Your promised love, what you get is loneliness. Whatever sin promises, whatever the devil promises you, you're not going to get it. It's a lie. But oh my goodness, he tells me exactly the lie that I want to hear, the lie that I really want to believe. He doesn't tempt me with things I don't want to do. He tempts me with things that I do want to do. I mean, sin is fun, y'all. I mean, if, if your sin's not fun, you're doing it wrong. You understand? Sin is fun. And the things that he tempts you toward, I mean, they're all lies. But oh my goodness, the lies are delicious. That's why the very first thing you have to take into this battle is truth. You have to understand the truth from the lies. You have to take the devil's lies, wrestle them down to the ground, and defeat them with the truth that comes from Christ. That's what Scripture says. Belt of truth. The breastplate of God's righteousness. I love that. Uh, Breastplate is the King James. The New Living Translation calls it what? Body armor. That's awesome. Y'all can wear breastplates. I'm wearing body armor. That sounds amazing, but the body armor is what? Righteousness. The breastplate, you know, it would protect all of your vital organs. Your body armor is protecting everything that's important, and, and that's righteousness. Our righteousness doesn't come from you. It's not that you're just going to be a good person, and therefore the devil's going to have to leave you alone. No, the devil eats good people for lunch. You understand the righteousness that protects me, the righteousness I carry into battle is not the righteousness that, that, that I work up on my own. It's a righteousness I receive from Christ. Righteousness is about right living, but it's also right standing. It's, it's, it's standing before God and being declared accepted, being declared forgiven, being declared adopted into the family. It's, it's, it's given right standing before God, and, and there's nothing I can do to stand rightly before God other than to stand beside the cross of Jesus, and that's what we do. And that righteousness that Christ gives, we, we, it affects the way I live, and therefore I do begin to live a different kind of life, and that righteousness protects me. That righteousness I take up like a breastplate. Verse 15, for shoes, put on the gospel of peace. Yeah, the gospel is your shoes. I know I'm in Kentucky, I don't even wear shoes. Yeah, I don't even wear shoes. Well, Beverly Hillbillies, when, when the Beverly Hillbillies used to go off, what'd they say? Uh, have a heap and helping over hospitality. Is that right? Have a heap and helping over hospitality. Somebody, rednecks, tell me what it says. Is that right? Have a heap and helping over hospitality. Uh, come on, sit a spell. Take your shoes off. Yeah, that's where I was going. I, it took me a long. I, I, I took y'all a long way to get to take your shoes off, didn't I? Yeah, yeah. But what's that about? Come on in, sit a spell. Take your shoes off. What are we saying? Kick back, relax, make yourself at home. Kick your shoes off. But that's not what Paul says. It's the opposite. What's Paul say? Put your shoes on. Put your shoes on. Why are you putting your shoes on? Because you're not sitting around. We're not having a heap and helping of your hospitality around here. This is spiritual warfare. We got to fight, and you got to fight too. So put your shoes on. Get off your backside. You got a battle to fight. Understand? We're not sitting around. And the shoes you put on are the gospel. 
the good news, the message of Jesus, that's what gets you up and moving into the battle, into the world. You put the gospel of peace on your feet. Do you love that? In the Old Testament, it says, how beautiful are the feet of those who do what? Bring good news, bring the gospel. Beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And so Paul says, on your feet, you, you put on the gospel of peace. The gospel of peace. It comes from the good news so that you'll be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, verse 16, hold up the shield of faith. Yeah, boom. Again, we're, we're dressing a soldier here in Paul's imagery. And so he picks up the, the shield of faith. Yeah, he, he picks that up. In the, in the Roman soldiers... Uh, the battalion, um, the shield was important. It, I mean, we picture this like the Spartans logo, you know, like the shield like this, but the Roman shields were more like a door. They were big, giant, giant wooden things that usually covered in leather. They would soak them in water, so it'd be heavy as lead, but, but, but they would have, you know, straps on the back, so you could strap them on your arm and hold it up like this. And, and it was nearly like as big as you were, so that you could literally, it's like, it's like a wall that you're walking behind. You understand? It's not just like pew, 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 you know. Uh, it's this giant shield that, that you could stand up so you're, you're literally like a, a walking wall coming toward the enemy. Isn't that cool? And that walking wall is your faith. It, it's your faith. But on top of that, the, the thing about the, the Roman soldiers and their shields is that they would form, it's called a phalanx, form a phalanx. And what that is, is the thing is my shield would come up but it will lock in place with the person next to me. So when he picks up his shield and I pick up my shield, look, boom. All of a sudden, it's like, it's like an extra wide wall. And if we all pick up our shields together, we're like this wall, this immovable, unstoppable wall coming forward. So in the body of Christ, it's not just that I'm out here fighting by myself, you all. I mean, we add faith to faith. I stand next to you, you stand next to me, and, and we go into this together. We're the church of Jesus Christ. And Jesus says the gates of hell shall not prevail against us together. The church. You understand? We fight together. And it's that shield of faith that is so important. It's that shield of faith that stands up. And what does it do? The shield of faith which stops the fiery arrows of the devil. Remember I said that the Roman soldiers would soak those giant shields in, in, in water so that they're wet? Because that's what they would do. The, the, the enemy would always, you know, shoot flaming arrows to try to burn down the town, you know. But the shield would be standing there drenched wet and would extinguish the arrows. Boom, boom. You're saying Paul had watched a lot of those, like, you know, Rambo movies. He understood how war worked. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet. And take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God salvation. It's a gift of God through Jesus Christ. You put that on as your helmet and you pick up your sword and that is the word of God. Man, the sword is your weapon. That's what you're going to go to business with, you understand? And it's God's word. It's not your word. You don't have any words that are powerful, not against the devil. It's God's word that has power. It's God's word that you hide in your heart so that you might not sin. It's God's word that is a lamp into your feet and a light into your path. It's God's word that is your weapon. The problem is a lot of us live our lives and we're not involved in God's word. I mean, we read it to you at church. But if the sword of the Lord, the word of God, were something that actually was necessary in your life, that's why you're so vulnerable. Do you understand this? It's 
It's why you're losing so much in life. It's why in every single battle, it seems like you come out on the losing side. It's why nothing in life ever works out for you. It's why you continue to be a slave to your hurts and your habits and your hang-ups. This is why. Because of the fight. It's a fight that you're not engaging. Verse 18 Pray in the Spirit at all times on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers and for all believers everywhere. Stay alert and be persistent in in your prayers. When it comes right down to it, prayer is the key to everything else. With all of this, he says, pray in the Spirit all the time. Be praying all the time. Uh, Understand, it's prayerlessness that leads to vulnerability and defeat. It's, It's prayerlessness. Prayerlessness leads to powerlessness. You understand that? And and the reason why so many of us have so little spiritual power in our lives is because you just don't pray. You really don't pray. And you really don't read God's word. Just be honest. You don't. You don't. Your Bible sits and gathers dust. I mean, now that you got an iPhone, you don't even carry your Bible to church, but you don't read the Bible on your iPhone either. I mean, you don't read it. And it doesn't work if you don't read it. I had a teenager once tell me, Pastor Tim, the other night I was having this nightmare. I was having this nightmare, and I was scared, but, but I pulled my Bible out, and I put it on the nightstand, and after that I slept like a baby. Well, maybe amen, but part of me thinks it doesn't work that way. It's not like a magic book, you know, ooh, you know. No. I mean, kid, that's great. But, you know, I mean, a, a nightlight would do that. Why don't you read your Bible? Read it. It doesn't work if you don't read it. It's not just a big Bible, you know, that you can put on the coffee table like Grandma used to have, like your big family Bible that nobody ever reads. It doesn't work if you don't read it. And if you're not reading God's Word, then you can't say that you're going to battle with it as your sword. I mean, when Jesus was tempted, what did he fight the devil with? What did he come out with? What came out of his mouth? The word of God, scripture came out of his mouth. But when the devil comes to you, you got nothing. You got nothing because you don't know God's word. It's not hidden in your heart. It's not in your mind. It's not even in your hand. And laid on your nightstand won't help you. You got to read it. You got to get into it and you got to learn to obey it. It's not even enough just to know it. You have to let it change the way you live your life. Be ye doers of the word, not hearers only. You're deceiving yourselves, James says. Bible is your sword. Prayer is the key. Prayerlessness leads to vulnerability and defeat. It's, it's prayerlessness. The most poorly attended meeting in any church is a prayer meeting. Why? Because people don't have any battles to fight? No. Because they don't engage the battle. You understand? You are fighting a battle. Your enemy never rests. And victory is guaranteed unless you give it away. And that's the problem, y'all. Y'all give it away. You're not even fighting. You you stand your ground, the scripture says. You stand your ground. But y'all aren't standing any ground. Some of you, you're just not. As a matter of fact, in, in this battle between the you know, the forces of light and the forces of darkness. Some of you would have a hard time really deciding which side you're on. This 
life of constant defeat, this, this life of always feeling insecure, always feeling like a loser, this life of always yielding to temptation, this life of always being in relationships that never work out, this life of never having enough of anything, never being content at all. Don't you understand this life of spiritual defeat is not the ordinary Christian life. There's something profoundly wrong with you, Christian, if you find yourself defeated every single day. Victory is certain in Jesus. But you've got to walk with him. You've got to know him. You've got to love his word. You've got to pray to him. You've got to live a life where he can put his strength in you. And with his strength, there is no enemy, no weapon formed against you that can prosper. Understand? The only man made things in heaven, the scars of Jesus. A man once said that he had a dream of dying and going to heaven. When he got there, he saw the wounds of Jesus. And then Jesus looked at him and said, Son, where are your wounds? Where are your scars? The man said, Jesus, I have none. I have no scars. And Jesus looked at him and said, Was there never anything in your life worth fighting for? Pray with me. Some of us growing up, Lord, we sang victory in Jesus. But in our lives, Lord, we have known very little of it. We're defeated. Defeated by our jobs. Defeated in our families. We're defeated by marriage, Lord. No matter what happens, if you tally up the score, we lose. We don't always understand, Lord, why it is that we can never, ever seem to be the kind of person that we long to be. We don't really understand why we find ourselves going back to the same old things that we know only destroy us, Lord. We don't understand why we're slaves to habits, why we can't forgive. We don't understand, Lord Jesus, why you seem so far away and the devil seems so near. Lord, you seem so far away. The devil seems so close to us. Lord, will you help us live our lives in such a way where we live a little bit closer to you and a little further away from the devil? Would you give us the faith, the, the, the salvation, the gospel, Lord, the sword, the spirit, Lord, will you just give us all of these things that we need and, and help us, Lord, to take them up and live our lives in such a way where we engage the fight, where we recognize the lies of the devil and we don't believe them and we don't, we don't let them, Lord, work in our lives as if they were true. I just pray for a victory. Lord, I pray for this church. Lord, I pray that we would always, always stand together, fight together, pray together. The devil would like nothing more, Lord, than to just destroy us, to, to take away our voice of praise, to take away our song of victory. He would love nothing more than to just crush us under his foot. Oh, God, help us. Help us to live in the strength and might and power that you give us and help us, Lord, to go forward with a shout of praise and victory and step into our lives, Lord, knowing that there is no weapon that's formed against us that can prosper, Lord, that there's no strategy of the evil one that can separate us from your love. Lord Jesus, help us to walk out and stand our ground and live victorious lives because of you, oh Jesus, because of you.
God, there is a fight. And some of us are being destroyed in it. So Jesus, come. Take us, Lord. Make us strong. Make us able to stand. Willing, Lord, to stand. In every circumstance, no matter what the devil shoots at us, Lord, help us to stand in you, stand for you, stand because of you. Make us able to stand, Lord Jesus. We pray in your precious, powerful name. Amen.